Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Mum Talk, hosted by myself, Emma Jolin, Mum to Amandine, who was born in September 2018. If you are new here on this podcast, I share my journey as a mum from pregnancy to life with a baby, now toddler, sharing all the highs and all the lows. Not only am I joined by incredibly knowledgeable guests, some experts in their field, but also mums and dads sharing their experience of pregnancy and parenthood. As always, you can trust in mum talk to be honest real and informative and provide plenty of nod along and me too moments wherever you may be thank you for listening and enjoy being part of today's conversation Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Mum Talk, Series 7, Episode 2, and I am chatting with NHS GP and mum, Dr. Poonam Krishan, mum to her six-year-old boy and brand new baby girl, just a few weeks old. Today, she is kindly sharing with us her birth story. Poonam gave birth to her daughter in early April during the peak of COVID-19 and is sharing this today in the hope it will help other mums giving birth at this time. Poonam suffered severe birth trauma and PTSD with her first birth, now six years ago, and amazingly through her second birth just weeks ago feels more of her trauma has healed than ever, as it was such a magical, positive experience. So you are mum to two now, um, yes. a six-year-old, is that right? Yes, and Oh, and a little one born at the beginning of April, right in the peak of COVID-19. Yes. Oh my goodness. So to start things off a little bit, I know we've just had a brief chat about it, but to start things off, are you able to share just a little bit about your birth and um, experience with your six-year-old six years ago? Um, Because obviously that kind of helps to lead the path for the rest of the podcast um, going into your birth around and in COVID-19. Um, so you've experienced birth trauma and PTSD. Are you able to chat a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, so I had my little boy six years ago. Um, I was living in London at the time and I'd had a very simple kind of plain sailing pregnancy and the birth was like I'd, I had this birth plan for you know hypnobirthing and wanted a water birth and had all these expectations yet when I got to the hospital I'd started kind of bleeding quite early on and just everything took a turn for the worst it was a vaginal delivery with four steps in the end but um though my baby at birth was okay I suddenly deteriorated and suffered from a huge blood volume loss which then landed me with a whole load of um complications such as uh, multi-organ failure sepsis and I ended up unconscious in intensive care for a week so um I didn't meet my son for a week um and I guess just that was the it was the beginning of my journey into understanding more about what birth can look like on the alternative side and I'm a GP I do lots of family medicine obviously and one of my areas of specialist interest since then has become looking after um, children and women particularly in that kind of antenatal postnatal period and I think it is just having experienced what vulnerability 
feels like as a mother in that journey into motherhood um, has really shaped and formed the kind of doctor and practitioner I am today because up until that point I didn't really I'm going to be honest I didn't really think that birth could be a cause for trauma mm-hmm. and um, even though the, the healing took probably up to a year, if I'm if I'm honest, um, physically, but mentally I was really really struggling, and but I was in denial. I was in denial that I had postnatal depression, um, and I guess sometimes when you have a lot of knowledge, you tend to you tend to kind of take it with a pinch of salt and think, well, no, I know the signs and I don't have them because you're lacking the insight. Mm-hmm. And my little boy. Um, was suffering from feeding difficulties. I couldn't establish breastfeeding, even though I, you know, I'd really wanted to do this. So I had all these set kind of expectations of what I wanted to meet, and because I wasn't able to meet them, I wasn't prepared to accept anything different. Um, so he really struggled, and at eight weeks old, he suffered from a respiratory arrest. So he stopped breathing and went blue and floppy, and we had to resuscitate him at home. And that's when he was diagnosed with severe silent reflux. So really, that first year of having my baby for me. And for him, it was just such a difficult time. And I didn't relate to all those new mums that had beautiful births and beautiful aftermath journeys. Um, And it was only really on digging deeper and over the years that I recognised that mums just don't talk about the bad. Mm. We go out into the public, we go out into these classes and we share the beautiful positive aspects. It's almost like we put an Instagram highlight reel to our lives outside to other mums but we really talk about the fact that trauma is and can be associated with birth. Um, and it was only on finding out that I was pregnant this time, which was an unplanned pregnancy. So quite often women that suffer from birth trauma, as I've learned now, some of the things that they tend to do is avoid medical procedures. So I'm very guilty of that, not wanting to go for your smear, not wanting to go for anything um, gynecological. Um, but they often tend to be afraid of birth. And therefore, many end up not having more children. And we'd certainly, because it was such a high risk pregnancy um, birth the last time, were advised that really to err on the side of caution if we became pregnant again, but really advised not to do that. So it was not on my agenda, but um, too many tequilas and turkey last <laughs> year. <laughs> Um, I no longer judge those that kind of say, oops, um, but we found ourselves pregnant and. I think that just that led to a massive surge of anxiety. And on my first antenatal appointment with my midwife, when she mentioned the word birth, it was a massive, like I had my first ever panic attack. And that's where I was diagnosed with PTSD. And until that point, I really had just thought that PTSD is associated with, you know, major accidents. Um, we talk about PTSD in the context of war. We talk about PTSD if, if somebody's had a major illness that they've recovered from or abuse, but hadn't really thought that birth trauma could be a cause for that. So this pregnancy, I was receiving counselling from a a a birth trauma specialist psychologist um, and we'd been really working on the element of control because everything that I lost last time was control but then of course on came pandemic and everything changed again. Absolutely oh my goodness oh my goodness you have been through a lot. (laughs) Um, Okay so for this uh, pregnancy did you have a birth plan or was that very much kind of decided with your input, but decided very, very early on? Yeah, so 
I was still like, so I was working um, until I was 34 weeks pregnant and so very much on the front line and it was really coming face to face with a COVID patient that I decided to take um, early maternity leave. And um, at that point, just as the pandemic was starting, I'd noticed that my anxiety levels had shot up. So everything that we'd been working towards um, was all gone. And part of the therapy that I was receiving was to to get a birth plan in place that was realistic, that was, you know, I was going to get a planned C-section because of my previous risk and I was a high-risk pregnancy. Um, but suddenly with the lockdown, none of that was certain anymore because things were changing on a day-to-day basis. And the irony of the situation was that where I was trying to get healing for my previous birth trauma, throughout the whole um, run-up to having my baby and the pandemic changes that were taking place, I found myself saying to people, I would have relived my experience six years ago a million times over than to experience the anxiety that I was experiencing during the whole pandemic process because uncertainty breeds so much anxiety and I was like using my Instagram to really reach out and inform and educate other women that were going through the same journey because there is so much anecdotal stuff that goes around so much misinformation Mm -hmm. and I had become pretty much obsessed with looking at what the latest developments were for pregnant women as most pregnant women are doing at the moment um but I found that every 24 48 hours something would change um a new guidance would come in place suddenly there was chat of birth partners not being there and my husband is also a frontline doctor um so we had to start practicing social distancing in our home and um I did not, literally up until the day of the birth, we did not know whether he was going to be able to be at the birth or not um, because of all the changes that were taking place. So in terms of did we have an active birth plan, I knew I was going in for a plan C-section. I'd met the consultant previously, but it was almost just I I had to let go and just focus every day on the present moment thinking, what can I do to get through today? There's only so much I can control. Um, I can only control what's going to happen today and what's going to happen at the hospital. I've got the best sort of team there. I've just got to trust that they know what they're doing. Um, and I think that that was that. So we went from a very, very controlled situation to trusting the universe in the process. Um, and it wasn't easy. I'm not going to lie. It was, it was not easy at all. Um, but just so grateful to be through it all now. Mm. And it must be so difficult being a doctor and knowing a little bit more than, well, a lot more than, you know, I would or or someone who's not a doctor would. So you, you've got that extra information, so you know, you know pros and cons, I guess. Yeah, I think for me medicine is, it's like I love being a GP. Medicine is, aside from my so I think that being able to use that in a way that objectively helps other people is great so I find that being able to share information with other sort of patients or other women or the public about you know this is what the guidelines are saying this is what you know that objectivity is great but absolutely when I'm the patient and I'm vulnerable none of that makes sense to me like I find myself questioning going what what does that mean you know um how does that translate to my life and yeah I just I had a real sense of just being so vulnerable so um 
at the end of other people's um, kind of, yeah, just at the, at, at the hands of my obstetrician. I just had to trust what was going to happen and take off that medical hat mm-hmm. um, because all you want when you're sort of pregnant and giving birth, you just want to come out knowing that your baby is safe, that you're both okay. And for me, I was like, I just don't want to go through what happened last time. Mm-hmm. And um, there was no knowing whether that was going to happen or not. But thankfully, like my birth was the most beautiful experience that I could have had under the circumstances. And almost in some way, this whole experience has been a very healing experience for me. And it's actually put closure to what happened six years ago. I never did I think that that could be possible. But um, it just goes to show sometimes you, you just don't know what's around the corner. And I think in medicine, the thing I see the most is it's, it's the uncertainties, but there are lots of miracles that take place. And sometimes you've just got to trust that process. Yeah. So are you happy to take us through what happened? Yeah. So um, obviously in the run up, like a lot of women will be having this, is the anxiety of having to attend a lot of your appointments um, on your own. So partners are not allowed. So obviously that was very stressful And having that choice taken away from you is very scary. Mm -hmm. Going into the hospital as well. Now, the hospital that I delivered, I was a hospital that I've worked at before. And I've been in medicine for almost 20 years now. Um, And I just remember kind of walking in the hospital and just having this complete surge of fear of the virus being around or somebody's going to give it to me and almost kind of afraid of the midwives or the doctors dealing with me. So all of that really fed into what happened on the day of the birth, which was the plan C-section and I arrived early morning. My husband dropped me off, um, but he wasn't allowed in. So partners aren't allowed at this present moment in Scotland um, uh, in the the labour suite until the actual active birth starts. So if you were going to go into birth spontaneously, you would need to be at that kind of active labour. Or if you're having a section, it would be when you're in theatre that your partner would be allowed in with you, provided that they are well. So at that point, I had seven hours because I was third on the list of just in a room on my own, um, waiting for my turn, essentially. And it was a kind of really surreal experience because it started off with me just anxiety through the roof, real palpitations, that sense of chest tightness. Um, and I had I had a few things with me. I'd kind of pre-recorded little voice notes from my little boy and Aww. devastated that he can be part of that whole process. But um, we'd recorded a wee uh, playlist for, for me, which was our favourite family tunes that we love dancing and holidaying to. Um, and obviously we're lucky to be in a digital era. So I was able to FaceTime my mum, my husband and my little boy throughout the day. And all those little things really kind of helped. So by the time that those seven hours came, um, I really had almost kind of prepared for that kind of walk of, of this is it. You know, there's no turning back. I'm going to meet my baby today. And I had this mantra going on round and round my head. I'm going to meet my baby and just really focusing on that. Um, there was another really beautiful moment which really comforted me. 
And that was looking at the looking across to the other rooms where the other mums were sat, and I could see that they were also like on their own. And I think that that sense of it's not just me because when you're in the thick of it, you can really feel that I am the only one. It's only me that's going through this. Nobody else gets what's happening. But that realization and connection, knowing that actually other mums are going through the same, and. I kind of wrote about this in one of my Instagram posts that it's the power of nonverbal communication. There was just this, this kind of looking into each other's eyes. It was his mum and just this kind of sense of communication of it's okay. We're going to get there together. We're in this together. And it was so comforting. Um, and I think that when I was finally ready to go into the theater, I was just ready. I was just ready. That sense of adrenaline that you get, uh, and yeah, the it was so surreal in theatre where we were not allowed our family or our partners, etc. The staff have really, really stepped up and the maternal services usually are one where you get that one-to-one support. It's really a nurturing environment. Your midwives are always there to really kind of get you through that difficult transition. But it was so much more than that. I just felt that they were just this extended family um, that, that really came to it. Even taking me down to theatre, I just felt like it was just so mumsy. The whole environment just felt like I was I was held, I was looked after um, to the point that I didn't even feel, and this is the most surreal thing, I didn't even feel the cannula going in. Um, it just felt so calm and so safe. And I think when there is such a sterile environment in place and everyone's taking all the measures that they can do to keep to keep you protected. And that's the thing, all these measures, which I had kind of deemed to be, it's not fair. It's not fair that we can't have our partners. It's not fair that I'm going through this. And suddenly I was like, okay, everyone's taking these measures to protect me and my baby. Mm-hmm. The virus is not getting in here. We're totally safe. And just that sense of surrender and trust that came from that was lovely. And... And then my baby was born and I watched her come out. We put the drapes down and again, I've assisted in sections as a trainee. Um, But there I was and they were like, would you like to see your baby coming out? And I was like, yes. And and there she was. And I, I think it's just, it's this moment that I'll never forget. But it was the sense of release and relief that I got because I'd had months and months, in fact, probably years of pent up anxiety and and regret that I wasn't going to have any more kids, that suddenly everything dissipated and there she was and she was safe and I was safe and my husband was in there. So my husband was able to be there with us. And it's the joy of the small things where I'd completely put in my mind that he was not going to be there when he walked through just before they made the incision. I was just grateful for just having him there for that process and welcoming our daughter into the world at a time that was so crazy just felt just felt so special oh my goodness I have goosebumps that's amazing (laughs) that sounds so lovely beautiful and I think that if ever I thought I needed healing from something that that was it of knowing and learning that there is another way to birth and that yes one one experience may be traumatic but that doesn't mean that it's it's the end that there is help and I couldn't have got through to that point without the support of my psychologist. And then even in the most unprecedented of times, life life just has a way of of coming too. And 
we need to welcome that. And I did kind of say in one of the articles that I'd written that if only during this whole pandemic process, for every time that they announced the daily death toll, that they reminded us of the daily birth toll, mm-hmm. because new life is coming into the world every single second. And in that postnatal ward as well, yes, I was on my own. My husband had to leave. But I looked and I could see the other mums that had been there in the morning. And there they were with their babies. And we were all safe. And it was just, it was a beautiful 24 hours I was in hospital. But it was just me and my baby. And it was very controlled of who could come in and who couldn't. And there was no news, there was no social media influx, there was no negativity, and the virus wasn't getting in because it was so safe. And I think just having that protected, beautiful post-birth moment, I must say, like I, I just never had expected or even considered that was a possibility. Um, and yeah, I just feel so fortunate and so grateful to have had that and to be able to share moving forward, because this does, it all shapes us. Every experience that we ever have shapes the way that we view the world. And for me as a doctor, particularly, everything that I've ever gone through has only helped me connect to my patients further. And I just love that I've been able to see a different side of it. And even with breastfeeding, I had such a traumatic experience previously um, under the circumstances. I had gone in all gung-ho I was like nobody's going to tell me to breastfeed I'd taken and bought the you know all the bottles the formula I had my machine ready I was like I'm not going to breastfeed and then you know baby came out and I just knew what to do and I think that even that was just such an incredibly gratifying and surreal experience because I was just I because I don't didn't know any different way it just I couldn't believe that the baby just knew what to do. (laughs) It just sounds so silly. Um, But yeah, I I think then just, again, accepting and appreciating that it wasn't my fault. Like I felt like a failure last time. I felt that everything that happened was because I was bad at birthing or I was bad at breastfeeding. And actually it's not. Experiences are just different and babies have a lot to do with it too. And some babies take to it, some babies don't, some experiences lend you to it, some don't. But as long as your baby is loved and fed, that's what matters. And so, yeah, I think it's been beautiful just having a very different experience. <laughs> um, and oh, amazing. Oh, my goodness. I love that. I love that. How wonderful. Oh, that's so lovely. And recovery wise and obviously care for your little one, have you felt like that's still been there and you've had the support that you've needed from uh, health health visitors and midwives? Yeah, so it's definitely not been the same as what it would have been. I'd say that the postnatal period has actually been a lot more challenging than than the whole birth experience in many ways because you have got limited at the moment as it stands anyway in Scotland is that we have limited um, input and contact face-to-face with the midwife and the health visitor. So where you would have three visits from your midwife and then you'd be handed over to your health visitor, you know, you only get the one now and the rest of it's done on the telephone. And in some ways as, as both as a patient, um, I was quite happy not to have that face-to-face contact because anytime anyone suggested coming to the house, I just felt a surge of, of anxiety. But the downside is that you are very much left to your own devices because you've not got that human contact. Mm. And 
my husband, as I mentioned earlier, is also a frontline worker. So we've been socially distancing now for probably about nine weeks. My baby's five weeks just now, um, maybe a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, because he is dealing with COVID patients, it's it's been a really, really difficult time for us as he's been like in a separate room. He's um, not even eating in the same sort of space as me and my son. And we had a really horrible time just before the baby was born where like we're a very huggy family but my husband did kind of come in and he's kind of got he has to change his his scrubs as soon as he gets into the house put them in a wash and go up and have a shower and he can't so obviously give he's not been given that kind of same hugs and kisses to our wee boy and there was one day where my wee boy ran up and just wanted a hug and my husband was like how many times do I need to tell you that you know you can't come near me and then my little boy was like oh does daddy not love me anymore Aww. and I think it was just in this time already where we've got this adjustment of going from one kid to two, it's already been quite a difficult transition for him because he's six years old. He's had us unconditionally his for all this time. So as the dynamic has changed, there's been another element that's been added to that with having sort of a frontline key working family. Um, and also my husband's not been able to yet properly kiss and cuddle our little baby girl. So that's been really hard. Um, because he's, we're just terrified of, of of passing it to the baby, most importantly. But none of us really wants nobody wants yeah. this. Um, but also, my parents would have been the ones that would have been supporting um, me in this initial period. And I feel really like after the birth of my little boy, I, I was in London. I moved back up to Glasgow to be near my mum and dad's because I just really needed that that support from my family. So this time round. I'm really missing that. I'm really missing my mum. They've not been able to see my little one apart from like through the window, which was just heartbreaking beyond belief. And I feel so sorry for every mum right now that's having to go through that. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think that it's just, I've also got the element of like those that have got other children of homeschooling. <laughs> so you just find yourself in this complete isolated state every day of just trying to get through it and because I've had postnatal depression before I've been super um, aware and conscious of looking for cues and I've kind of spoken to my family my friends and it's just you know saying just please let's just make sure that I don't go downward again I'm in a good place right now and I just recognize again just how much knowing what your support network is what to look for, what are your signs and symptoms, and to keep that open channel of communication with others, how important that is in your postnatal um, recovery. But yeah, it's not easy right now, and I can't wait for this lockdown to end. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know how you're doing it. I don't know how you're doing it with a six-year-old and a newborn. I think, to be honest, no matter what anyone's situation right now yeah. is, with a newborn it's really really difficult and I think it's so it's impossible and we mustn't ever compare either mm -hmm. because as a first time mum I remember just being so scared of my baby mm -hmm. and I do people checks I do six week checks I you know can handle other people's babies and give advice out it just rolls off the tongue but then there I was with my little baby and I was like what he's so tiny I'm worried I'm gonna break him mm -hmm. um and he's crying, what does he need? And trying to understand the needs of a new human being um, for a new mum is is really, really difficult. So that's a challenge. Those that have got 
sort of kids close together I think under the circumstances as well when you've not got any external support and you may be at home all day with a newborn and a toddler Mm -hmm. I can only imagine how chaotic that must be because you haven't got a soft play to escape to or a nursery to send to and then of course there's those that have got children of bigger age gaps like myself and the dynamic of trying to to teach I mean that some days I'm like oh thank god he's six because you know, I mean, he gets fed up. He's like, all you do is tell me to go get wipes and nappies all day. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, you know, there is a lot more that he can do than, say, um, you know, a toddler. Like my mm-hmm. sister, and this is another heartbreaking thing, is that my sister, um, she's younger than me. She gave birth to a little baby girl two weeks before me. Oh, my goodness. So, um, I've got a little niece that I've not met yet either. Um, but she's got a four-year-old. And, again, the challenges that yeah. she's got is different. Um so I think that any mum right now going through whatever situation, it's just respect to how you get through the day. And, you know, I'm I'm trying my best to still maintain a bit of my identity. For me, I'm a really busy working parent. Um, I always have been. I've got lots of different hats that I wear. And for me, work brings a lot of purpose. And even last time, I found maternity leave quite difficult because... I was like, there's only so many th- things that I can do with a baby and I get a lot of sense of control when I'm at work. Whereas, you know, at home when you're with a child, like how many countless coffees can you make that go cold and, you know, just trying to to go to the toilet is, is difficult, whereas at work it's easy. Yeah. <laughs> so I think right now I just get up in the morning, I do my makeup, I get ready as though I'm going to go out and that's my me time done. And every day I do something called, I've got a little journal that I keep, which is called small wins. And I have on that one or two small wins for me, a couple of small wins for my son and a couple of small wins for the baby um, and a couple for the house. And small wins could be for me as simple as put on a bright lipstick or put on a face mask or straighten your hair. For my little boy, it's a, a little activity that would be fun for him that's not school related. And for my little girl, it could be, you know, whether it's putting her in for a bath or doing a baby massage or, you know, just something that's tiny. So it's not overwhelming, but it's a little bit that I can tick off at the end of the day and go, that was fun. That was nice. And that was something that we did for us and really being kind to ourselves. And there's days where I just feel like crying and I do just cry out and I moan about it on Instagram. But then other days, um, you just get on and right now there is nothing else we can do. We must try our best to look after ourselves and, keep our mental health in check and check in every day to what are my energy levels this morning what is my mood feeling like and if you feel that it's starting to dip literally reach out to somebody that you trust um and it's it's not letting it fester i absolutely love that i love your small wins what a great idea that's such a brilliant (laughs) idea (laughs) (laughs) even when my husband this morning was just saying um, I'm really lucky. I've got my husband at home because he's been—he's um, an airline pilot, so he's been grounded. And um, he was saying, "Oh, I don't know what to do with her. I don't know what to do with her." And it's that coming up with different things, like especially under pressure, can be quite difficult. So um, I love that idea of at the beginning of the day, maybe writing down some small wins and things. It's such a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, actually. Um, with with my little boy I've kind of found he's got a little journal where every day we've got this little printer um that connects to the phone and we just print off a picture of our small win 
and then we stick it in and so if it's like baking a cake or making a picture or doing a silly dance we try and capture anything that we can and we'll put that in a wee journal so he kind of feels like he's getting to tick off a, a little something as well that's not just boring school stuff um <laughs> oh that's so cute and a lovely thing to do together as well oh that's yeah. so nice well thank you so so much for coming on the podcast and sharing what a beautiful birth story such a beautiful birth story thank you so much no thank you and i hope it helps helps any mum um in any way Thank you so much to Poonam for coming on the podcast and sharing her experience with us. I hope you all enjoyed listening to the podcast. And if you are due to give birth soon, perhaps your anxieties are helped a little by listening to her words. As always, if you have any questions, please reach out. You can DM me at mumtalkpodcast Instagram account or pop me an email at mumtalkpodcast at gmail.com. I love, love, love hearing from you. Check in again next week. We will be back with episode three. Have a lovely rest of your week and I will catch up with you then. Bye.